pretty amazing that that one about whom we were singing, the, this beautiful one who is waiting with open arms to welcome us into um, an eternity that is incredibly unimaginable, that, that this one was born in such a way. In fact, um, it's also pretty incredible that God used some pretty unusual people to bring about this incredible story. Pastor Josh uh, got us started last week with uh, just an excellent way of challenging us to think about this innkeeper who hardly has mention, yet played a key role as the story unfolded. But at the same time, he was the one, if you recall from last week, that um, tried to make a little room, but, you know, he, did, he didn't find a place, really, for Jesus. Now, today we get to talk about a, a completely different set of circumstances, and that person that we'll talk about today is Mary, uh, this, uh, this mother of Jesus who... Uh, made room in her heart for an incredibly challenging announcement from the angel Gabriel. You know, as, um, as we look at Scripture, all, all the way through the Bible, God has, God has had the capacity to use some un, incredibly and, and almost unbelievable kinds of unlikely candidates. I think about... Um, Sarah and Abraham, they were older than me and had kids. And I don't know, some of you folks that are my age, that maybe that ought to scare you a little bit, I don't know. But, but at any rate, you know, they were pretty unlikely candidates to usher in the great promise of, of the old covenant, right? Um, there, there, there were people like Moses who God had to continually, I don't know, it almost feels like he compromised with him a little bit. You know, finally God gives up after he's calling Moses and says, all right, Moses, I'll give you Aaron. Just, you know, just go do it, please. And, and so Moses finally acquiesces, and you know the, the rest of that story. The, uh, the nation of Israel rescued from slavery as a, as a prototype of what was to come for the new Israel, the church. There's Rahab, the prostitute, who God used to uh, continue to do the work as he built his kingdom. You know, in the New Testament, there were, there were those, those crazy disciples, right? They, the, the ones that were fishermen were, were pretty smelly and, and, and a little bit cranky, too, with Jesus when he first called them. And, 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 and one of them, Peter, you know, he, he wasn't really the likely choice. If I was, was going to choose, you know, 12 people to go and change the world, I don't think I would have invited Peter to be a part of that party. And, and yet there he is, and, and, and he, he was that 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 pillar of the Jerusalem church as, as it began to change the world. And then we all know the story of Paul, who was Saul, the persecutor of the church. And uh, 
he became Paul the Apostle. It's kind of funny to me that Paul the great Jewish Pharisee, um, I think God has a sense of humor when he picks some of these people because this, this Jewish Pharisee got the call on his life to go be a, a, an apostle, not to his people that he loved so much, but to the very people he persecuted, the Gentiles. And so it's kind of interesting that God uses all these ordinary people. And, you know, um, I think we're among them. I think maybe just more than using ordinary people, he, he, he picks unlikely people. Now, one of the most unlikely people he picked in all of the Bible is this one young woman who ushered in with her response to the Gabriel's announcement to her. She, she, she brought to life that word which became flesh and dwelt among us. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, I'm going to read from the New International Version. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, just to pause in there for just a second, I, I wanted to just see a couple of things there as we unfolded that, 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 that section of Scripture because one of, one of the things about Luke who wrote this gospel is that, that he, was, he was really concerned about making sure that we knew that these events that he writes about, not only in Luke, but in the book of Acts, actually happened. So he dates it in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and he's already told the story about Elizabeth and Zechariah, unlikely people to have a child, yet they, they, they're going to have John the Baptist. And in the second chapter of Luke, the very first verse, he starts talking about when this happened. It was in, you know, it, it was in a certain time frame. So what, what, what Luke is doing is he's being incredibly specific. What he wants us to know is that God broke into human history. He wasn't this clockmaker kind of God that just set things in motion and watched. He moved into the lives of ordinary, unlikely people and brought about this incredible gift of his son through this woman named Mary who surely should not, by our standards, have been the one that carried this incredible baby. It says that Mary then was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Um, Put yourself in her shoes for a minute. Um, she has yet to be married to Joseph, betrothed, engaged, pledged, but they haven't lived together as husband and wife. The, 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 there's only been one virgin birth, and Mary's the one that has to hear about it happening to her. Now, can you imagine how that felt? And here she was, a very young woman, some say maybe even as young as 14 years old, perhaps somewhat older, but here is this, this incredibly young woman who in her culture was hearing this news that, that, about what was going to happen. And before the, the, the angel ever told her what was going to happen, she was already troubled. <laughs> Mary was greatly troubled at his words. So instead of stopping and comforting her, Gabriel goes on. And says, by the way, um, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. 
And then all of a sudden she's thinking, okay, favor. Now what she hears next doesn't sound a whole lot like favor. <laughs> you found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. So far, not too bad, except maybe this having a baby in the first place thing. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And now it's really getting tense. Now this is getting to be a bigger deal than she ever bargained for. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Oh my, uh-oh. Mary has questions. I think we all would have questions. How will this be? Mary asked. Since I am a virgin. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is absolutely mind-blowing, right? I mean, th this only happened once in all the years of human history. God picks this young woman, this teenage girl, to be the one that carries into the world. The one that 2,000 years later we talk about and sing about and pray to. This one that is beautiful beyond description. This one that becomes the savior of the world. This one who is the prince of peace, the mighty God, everlasting father, wonderful. That one she's carrying. How in the world can this be? God picks the unlikely. And then as if she needed a little convincing, the angel was gracious enough to say, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in, is in her sixth month. And then the final answer becomes pretty clear. For nothing is impossible with God. Now we kind of sit in his presence here together with our family. And maybe we breathe a sigh of relief and say, I'm glad he got that out of the way. I don't have to be a part of that thing. But yet, at the same time, I think most of us struggle with whether we are likely or unlikely to be useful in God's kingdom. Not only that, but whether we're even likely to be, be loved by him, to be cared for by him. Luke the historian tells us how God broke into human history. And then Mary's response is short and sweet and amazing. Okay, now just one more time, remember what she just heard. Remember who she is. Remember that the culture in which she lived might, some scholars believe, even call for her to be stoned because of her unmarried status. She's considered it, she's heard it, she's asked her questions, and she says very simply, I am the Lord's servant. 
may your word be fulfilled. But then maybe a little insecurity creeps back in because the next little tiny sentence says, then the angel left her. She hears this, she says, okay, let's do it, and then he's gone. Lots of stuff going on for this young woman. And so just like that, one of the most unlikely people we could possibly think of becomes the most important person in the greatest story ever told. God himself breaks into the history of sinful humanity out of his great love for us. The Holy Spirit overcomes Mary, overwhelms her. She's carrying this child. And as we look at this, we begin to realize that the unlikely people in the world are precious in God's eyes. So one of the things I think we really kind of need to wrap our minds around when we hear this story of Mary, when we look at what happened, is that, that the least likely among us can experience God's grace. And, and, and I think a lot of us feel like we're not likely candidates for his grace. Mary, Mary understood this to be grace, right? She, she was told that she was highly favored, that God had grace on her. And she's hearing it and she says, okay, if this is grace, I'll take it. Now, I, don't, I don't think all of us ever feel like, most of us um, have those moments instead when we, we feel like we're pretty undeserving, with that, that there are lots of other people that are likely to find, find the working of God in their lives, but maybe not me. Um, you know, for, for example, there, there are those of us whose lives are an absolute mess. And sometimes those absolutely messy lives are messy because we made the mess. <laughs> We, we made some pretty crummy decisions. We, we did some things that made no sense. And maybe we did some things even that didn't bring all that much pleasure to God. And, and out of that messiness, that, and you know, life can get messy, by the way. But out of that messiness, we begin to feel like we're pretty unlikely candidates to, to receive what God has in store for us. His goodness, His unfavored merit that He wants to pour out on our lives. So, so you know, I think... You know, sometimes our lives are a mess and we don't feel, feel like all that, all that likely. Other times uh, we're feeling with a lot of guilt. We're living with maybe some shame. We, we know we've done things that if God wasn't gracious, if, if God didn't love us unconditionally, then, then we might well have, have forced ourselves outside the realm of his compassion for us. But because of this this baby that Mary bore for us, out of that context, we begin to realize that there isn't anything we can do to make us outside the possibility of receiving grace and forgiveness and peace and hope from the Father. That's good news. In the midst of that, there, there are others who feel like the good things in life are just for everybody else. You ever feel like that? I think, I think, I think there are times when we'd like to trade places with just about anybody because, you know, everybody else's life is... Let me tell you something. The people around you don't have it any more together than you do. And those who feel like the good things in life are for everyone else might include you, and I often include me. But can I tell you something? 
even if you are among the most unlikely candidate for God's grace, at least by the standards of the world. I think that moves you into the place where God can move in your life. There are those of us who have been Christians for a long time, perhaps, who have maybe just allowed ourselves to drift in places that we didn't want to go. And in the midst of that drifting, we find ourselves farther away from Jesus. And maybe our our, our, our apathy even in our walk with him or the distance that we feel from him makes us feel unlikely. And so we hesitate to come to him and ask him to move in our lives again. And what this text is reminding me as I see this, this Mary, this young woman who said, how can this be? Sometimes we have questions too and we feel far from him because we have questions. He wants to be your answer. And he will move in your life no matter where you are this very day so the least likely of us can experience the wonder of God's mercy and grace in our lives if we're like Mary and we say let it be so if we make room for him unlike the innkeeper another little piece that I think is really relevant as you as you peek at this text is that is that troubled hearts can find peace one of Jesus words to his disciples as he's preparing to leave in the 17th chapter of John I think he's talking about you know his imminent crucifixion his departure they're going to be alone and and it's, it's mixed into this whole uh, piece of his teaching called the farewell discourse. And in the midst of that, he tells them to not let their hearts be troubled. And, you know, I read that text and I think, yeah, but it is. <laughs> I, I didn't mean for it to be, Lord. But, but, my heart, but my heart is troubled, and I think sometimes we all feel stressed, we all feel pressure, we all feel like things are just not working out, that life is too busy, life is too hectic, that finances are too hard, that the job is just too stressful, and that raising kids is just not what I bargained for. I didn't sign up for this stuff. They became teenagers. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Our hearts, by the way, you guys are the greatest, by the, by the heart that inner part of us, it, it can be incredibly stressed and painful sometimes. It, it can be broken. You ever taken that stress test where you assign numbers to certain life events? I think everybody's kind of done that at some point or another. It's called the Holmes Ray Scale and it assigns a point value to different kind of life events like marriage and pregnancy and adding a new family, changing financial states, going to jail. I don't know if that affects any of you or not. But uh, they, they assign these point levels to these different life events. And if you score a 300 or higher, you're an, under an incredible amount of stress and quite possibly facing even severe physical illnesses. Mary and Joseph get a 435 on it. <laughs> if, if you look at that, Mary's heart was troubled. It, the troubled heart started in the text that we read, and she said, My, you know, this, this is troubling to me. I don't get it. This is stressing me out. And uh, I think that's what life does to us. 
And being a believer doesn't change the fact that we have to that we have to deal and cope with the stuff that life is made of. But I will tell you this, there is one who will come alongside us, who will give us a peace that doesn't even really make sense. He didn't quite say it that way when he told us he was going to give us peace, but that's, that's what he meant. He, he, this peace you can't figure out. It doesn't make sense. You should be stressed because of all that's going on, but you're not because Jesus is there giving you peace. In fact, he's the prince of peace. I, uh, I had some time this week with um, the, the pastor who was very instrumental in my teenage years. Uh, spent a lot of time in his home. His son was my best friend. Um, he's now 90 years old and just about three weeks ago preached the last sermon at his church. He's an amazing, amazing man, full of faith and life and energy, incredible witness for the gospel. And in the midst of, of this past little bit, uh, this godly man, is living with a wife in a nursing home with Alzheimer's, a son at home with dementia. He lost his younger son way too early, uh, six or seven years ago. And then on Wednesday, I had the funeral for his 50-year-old granddaughter who passed away. And uh, that's a troubled heart from most perspectives but when and by the way he also had a really severe car wreck two weeks ago and when I when he came into the funeral home he, he walked over to me and and he, and he and he took hold of my hands and he said uh, you know God has been faithful to me isn't it good that we can have peace and I thought, you are incredible. And I, and I said something to that effect to him. And he said, no, I'm really not. But God is. One of the things that our relationship with Jesus, because of God answering our concerns when we have troubled hearts, is that we can find peace. I don't know what brought you here today and what has troubled your heart. Sometimes it's different kinds of security that, that troubles our hearts. You know, most of us are, are pretty insecure and when we act like we're not. That means that we maybe are more than we used to be. I don't know how that works, but it seems like it. But um, there are lots of insecurities. There, there, there are financial insecurities. There, there are insecurities. You know, man, um, we, we fight all kinds of of things, especially younger folks who deal with body insecurities, and there are families that have food insecurities and housing insecurities, and there are financial insecurities, and there are employment insecurities, and there are relationship insecurities, and there are family insecurities, and the list of insecurities makes me feel insecure just talking about them. <laughs> but when our hearts are troubled with different kinds of insecurities, this text tells me I can find some peace. When our hearts were troubled with fear for someone that we love, which is, which is often the case, there are people that we care about who are messing up their lives in such big ways, and we can find peace. And when our hearts are troubled by, 
by separation from God, when we just don't know Him and we're, and we're stressed and we don't have any place to go, when that happens in our lives, when our hearts are troubled by that separation from Him, and when sin has done its deed within us, we can find peace because of who He is, this one that Mary was willing to bear when she said yes to God. Troubled hearts can find peace. And you know, in the midst of all that, I, I can tell you this, light also can illuminate the darkest places. You ever been to a place in your life where it just seems like you're never going to be able to find your way clear? You know, sometimes it's because a big decision is looming over your head. When it's so dark that it feels like there's, there's no way out. He can be that light that we need. When we, when we can't see our way into tomorrow, ever, ever been there? Like, how am I going to make this decision? How am I going to find my way? What's going you know, to unfold in my life that, that makes me able to get through this darkness that I'm in? When we can't see our way into tomorrow, he can bring us light. When we walk with him, when our walk with him has been so dimmed that it feels dark, he can bring us light. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of easy to drift into a place of darkness, even in our walk with Jesus. Nobody, nobody gets up in the morning and says, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to really kind of blow Jesus off for a while. That's, that's not where we go. But we get immersed in life, the stress comes, our hearts are troubled, and all of a sudden the time that we spend with him is, is, is less and less, and our, our willingness to trust him and our ability to say, like Mary said, whatever you want to do, God, go ahead and do. Those things kind of get pushed aside, and the dimness becomes darkness, and we feel distant from God. And when that happens, if we'll say yes to him, if we'll return to him, he will illuminate that dark place. Or maybe the reality of it is that you've never known him. And there's a spiritual darkness in your life that is really tough. But you feel unlikely. You feel like, you know, you've done too many bad things or you've, you've said no to him too many times or that he loves other people more than you or that's not really him tugging at your heart even as we speak. But the reality of it is, all through the Bible, unlikely people find him. And he rescues them. And he illuminates their life with the one who said, I am the light of the world. But one of the things this text also screams at us is that when we are the unlikely one and our hearts are troubled and when there's darkness in our lives, a response is required. Mary had to make peace with the fact that she needed to say yes to Jesus' birth in her. The angel needed to hear her say, whatever it is, whatever this craziness that you're talking about is, I'm in. 
And it might be that in the midst of where you sit today, this Jesus who was born to this unlikely mother is, is, is tugging at you a little bit, and he's speaking to your heart a little bit, and he's saying something to you that says maybe you ought to say yes to. Maybe you ought to open your heart Unlike the innkeeper, maybe you ought to open your heart as Mary did and say, Jesus, whatever it is that you want to do in my life, I'm in. Maybe it begins with knowing him for the very first time today. Maybe it's because there's all kinds of trouble and stress. Maybe it's because you're in a dark place and you want to not be in a dark place anymore. One of the things that I love about Christmas is watching kids open presents. But one of the things that cracks me up when they open presents is that you spend all this money on the presents and you try to make sure everything's nice for them and you want them to have a great Christmas. And they play with the wrapping paper and the boxes way more than they do the toys. I, I think we do that to Jesus. We, you know, the wrapping paper, we go to church. We uh, try to be good people. Um, but there sits this incredible gift that we don't say yes to so many times. Mary's answer to yes, to, her answer of yes, wasn't something that came easy. It wasn't something that she really wanted to do. It got her into some tough, troubled, dark spots. But in the midst of all that, she felt like of all people, get this, she felt like of all people, she was the most blessed. I want, I want that for you. I want, I want you to feel like God picked you. You saw how specific the angel Gabriel was to Mary. I, I'm, I'm, I was sent here to you in this place at this time, and that might be true for you in this moment as well. What is it that God would really, really like to do in your life? You ever get a gift card for Christmas that's still in the drawer? Did you know that there are $21 billion worth of unspent gift cards in people's drawers across the country? Listen to me. There are way more valuable things than $21 billion in gift cards waiting for those of us who will just make room for him. Maybe you need to just say, Lord, I'm tired of not, of not giving you my life. I, I, I need you, and it's, I'm going to do it today. I don't know what he's trying to do in your heart today, but don't, don't leave that gift card in the drawer. Get it out. Embrace the wonder of the grace and power and love of Jesus for you. You know, in just a, just a minute, we're going we're gonna to sing and worship together. And One of the things I, I love about how Pastor Josh has been trying to lead us into these next few phases of our life together as a church, primarily being that of prayer. You know, 
if the church isn't a praying church, it's kind of a scary thing. And, and it's been really awesome to watch as you've learned to, to kind of assimilate prayer into the part of the worship services that we have together. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do is, as, as we sing in a minute. I'm just going to ask you to maybe just pray where you are. Maybe you want to you pray in the, in the prayer alcove. Maybe you have a, a person you'd like to light a prayer candle for, or you want to put a, put a prayer request into the, onto the prayer wall. Um, maybe you want to pray the prayer that says, Jesus, I give you my heart and my life. Very first time. That would be awesome if some of you did that today. But as, as we sing, maybe you want to just grab somebody that you know that's with you or, um, uh, you know, so you don't have to, to pray alone. But no pressure, not trying to coerce anybody into doing anything. But if you, if you could pray right there. You, but here's the thing. The last point of this text is that a response is required. So I, th I think it's cool if we could just say yes to him in whatever way that looks like for you. So why don't we pray together for just a moment and then, then we're going to worship together. And, and as we do, if, if you want to grab somebody to pray, uh, Pastor John Klotz will be over there and some of the prayer team members, I'd like for you to maybe make your way there. Elders, if you're in the room. Maybe you want to grab a spot over there as well. And if there's some, if, you know, if there's somebody you want to pray, if you want somebody to pray with you, they're going to be there for you, okay? Because that's family. Let's pray. Our Father, um, it really feels overwhelming to think that um, this unlikely choice of Mary has changed human history. Where there was no hope, there is hope. Where there was no light, there is light. Where there was no peace, there can be peace. Why don't we live in a world that needs all of that? And why don't we live in a world where we each individually need some of that? And so we pray. We pray for one another. That we would, as Mary did, say, okay, God, Whatever it is that you want to do in my life, I want you to do it. Let it be done. Let it be so. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.